Welcome, everybody. I'm Bobby Harrington with my friend and co-minister, Anthony Walker, and we are here for our podcast called Scripture in Black and White. And we call it Scripture in Black and White because we think there's a lot of things in the Bible that are more black and white than people think. And of course, also, uh, he's black and I'm white, but we actually have the same faith in the same Jesus, in the same gospel, in the same scriptures, in the same lifestyle, and all of that. So, my friend, welcome. How are you doing today? Bobby, I am doing well in the Lord. Thankful to be here with you on this episode. Well, I'm glad to have you here with us as well. Anthony, I'm going to start with a word of prayer because as we were trying to get ready, that's one thing we didn't do. So let me just stop and pray. God, we uh, call out to you now as we begin, and we pray that you would bless everyone who's listening to us. Uh, we believe that every person is precious in your sight. And today, as we talk about the important things uh, in our Christian faith and in what the Bible teaches, we just pray that you would bless everyone through us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Anthony, last week we talked about the essential elements of the faith. Today we're going to talk about the important elements of the faith. And the week after, we're going to talk about the personal or peripheral or disputable elements of the faith. And when we talk about the faith, we're talking about the faith taught in the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible with the New Testament as a higher standard than the Old Testament. In fact, we interpret the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. So last week we talked about that the essential elements boil down to two things. It's Jesus and his gospel, which is the good news. Uh, it's Jesus and all that he was about and faith in the gospel. Ephesians chapter 2 says we are saved by grace through faith, this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, but we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we are going to be people who obey and follow, but we don't have to follow everything to be saved or to be right with God. And so last week we looked at the essential elements. And I just want to remind everybody of what that is, what the gospel is. So we have a slide, and here's what the slide says about the gospel. Again, it's a summary from last week, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. But the gospel or the good news is the good news that Jesus the King preexists as God the Son. Many of our listeners will remember John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish. So uh, the, the gospel is that God preexisted as God the Son. He was sent by the Father. He took on human flesh in fulfillment to God's promises to David. That would be King David in the Old Testament. He lived as humanity's Messiah, example, and teacher. He died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried, and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Sometimes the Bible refers to this as his sacrifice of atonement for our sins. He appeared to many witnesses. He's enthroned at the right hand of God as the ruling Christ or Messiah or Lord or King of Kings. He has sent the Holy Spirit 
to his people to effect his rule within us, and he will come again as final judge to rule. In the words of the uh, uh, early statement of faith, the Apostles' uh, Creed, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. So the response to the gospel is faith. Faith is the response to King Jesus and the gospel. And last week we talked, well, what is faith? Faith is to trust and follow Jesus. So the word pistis uh, or the word pistuo, uh, when it's a verb, it's believing or faith. And believing or faith is to trust and follow Jesus. Uh, faith is allegiance. It's loyalty. It's faithfulness. Saving faith is a faithful faith. So, Anthony, I know you were teasing me about this earlier, but really <laughs> the Greek word for faith, pistis, it really means in its fullness, faithfulness. So I'm going to let you jump in now. Yeah, I appreciate that. The the faithful faith piece um, was one, you know, as I was telling you before, how you know when you're defining a word, you want to you want to use a word different from the word that you're defining. However, uh, as you point out, uh, according to the original language, the word that we use for faith uh, in the original language is a word that's equivalent to our English faithfulness. Uh, yes, so yeah, right. that 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 helped me out a bit. Uh, one of the things I like about the simplicity of how we explain things on Scripture in black and white, uh, even how we deal with the essentials, there are facts to be believed. There are uh, there is a response that the gospel invokes. We have That's to right. do something with the facts that we believe. If I believe in Jesus, then I also must believe Jesus. I must believe what he teaches. I must believe what he preaches. I must believe and obey that which he commands. So this faithfulness, faith is that response to the gospel that we've heard. Uh, and Bobby, is, is this a faithfulness that uh, is like the wedding day or is it more so like the marriage? Yeah, I like, I like that uh, metaphor. Uh, you know, I got married to uh, Cindy uh, on a day in uh, December 22nd. And when we got married many years ago, I gave my heart to her and to God, and she gave her heart to me and to God, and we pledged our faithfulness to each other. So we turned away from all other allegiance. She turned away from all other men. I turned away from all other women mm -hmm. and uh, pledged my faithfulness to her. She pledged her faithfulness to me and we've been married for a uh, little over four decades now, Anthony. Wow. And uh, I, I've got to say, I've been faithful to her. That doesn't mean there aren't days where we don't have disagreements and arguments. And and some days we, you know, we're not, I'm not the spouse I want to be, or she's not the spouse she wants to be. Uh, but we're still faithful. We're still in relationship. We're still married. Mm -hmm. uh, it would take me turning my back and renouncing the marriage and walking away and going for somebody else to break the marriage. And that's how it is with God. You know, he's always wooing, always loving, always drawing us by his Holy Spirit, providing for us. Um, and the only thing that would ever break that is if we walked away from him. Not that we stumble and fall, because in my marriage, I stumble and fall. Uh, but that's not me walking away from the marriage relationship. And I think that's a pretty good metaphor mm -hmm. for God's relationship with us in Scripture. In fact, 
the Bible actually teaches that marriage, uh, Ephesians 5, is a metaphor for Christ and the church. So that's how I respond to that. How about you? <laughs> right, right. It is, it is that uh, pursuit, that daily pursuit. It is that daily commitment. Uh, oftentimes when we see um, the wedding, you know, all the expense that goes into the wedding, all the planning that goes into the wedding, they're very beautiful and it's a very great day and a great experience, but there's more to the marriage than just the wedding day. So even with our faith, the day that we uh, begin this journey with God, begin this relationship, it's a joyous day. You see people who are baptized and they are so excited and the family and friends, the congregation is excited. The, the, you know, I always tell those, you know, I said, today you've made the best decision you could ever make in your life. It's great, but we don't make that decision just on that day. We're making it every day. You know, even in marriage, you're saying yes, and I do, and I will not just on the wedding day, but daily. And, and, and those days, as you pointed out, we're sometimes better or worse. Uh, but at the same time, we said to God and to the whole world, I'm committed to this. I'm faithful to this, even on the good days and even on the not so good days. So our faith is this response, but it isn't just a one-time declaration, but it is a daily walk a daily journey with God. That's right. A daily relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So what are we getting into today, Bobby, in, in the next phase of this? Okay. Um, I want to do something uh, to help us understand important teachings, how uh, different Christians may not fully understand the important teachings. They may not be in churches that teach them. They may not be in churches that uphold them. And so we're going to tackle the question of when churches or individuals who believe the gospel, who've committed their lives to Jesus, who are seeking to live with a faithful faith, but uh, in their pursuit of Jesus, they have error and that they're a part of churches with error. So I want to, I've got a couple of diagrams. Several years ago, I wrote a book with a guy named Alex Absalom and it's called Discipleship That Fits. And in that book, we laid out a couple of different ways to think about this, and we're gonna use some uh, human metaphors for it. But before I jump into the human metaphors, um, when we talk about the essential, the important, and the personal, we're talking about like the essential is written in blood. It's the blood of Jesus, you mm. might think of that which is important is written in pen. It's like, no, God laid it down and you can't, you know, erase it. It's, it's the way of the Lord. And then the third category, the disputable, the personal or the peripheral, it's like it's written in pencil because the truth is uh, different Christians understand it differently. We, we may um, uh, practice one thing one time and then not another. Uh, I'll just, because people might be wondering in their minds, it's like alcohol. Some Christians can drink alcohol and some can't. That's not a, there's no command in the Bible about that. In fact, the Bible presumes, the New Testament presumes that uh, wine is a, is a thing that people drink. Now, drunkenness is a matter of sin. 
getting drunk is a sin, mm -hmm. according to scripture, but drinking wine isn't. So that would be an area where some Christians drink wine, some don't. Some Christians watch, say, R-rated movies and other Christians feel like, no, no, that's not right. And I won't do that. So that's the third category. But let's go back to the second category. And I want to mention some teachings that I think are important, Anthony, okay. that I'm not saying you won't go to heaven if you don't hold to it, but I am saying that you're not going to be faithful to the teaching of Scripture. So let me mention a few of those if I can, and then I'd like to show these diagrams that, that unpack it. Let's take what the Apostle Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 11. So in 1 Corinthians 15, we talked about that last week. Mm -hmm. And I want to remind everybody in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul describes the Gospels, the Gospel. And he said, uh, by this Gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. That's 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 2. Well, that's different than 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. So in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17, the Apostle Paul is going to correct them. He's going to say, you're, you're not doing it right. That's very different than saying, hey, the whole foundation of your salvation and faith is the gospel. Mm -hmm. So this is an important teaching in 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 17, but it's not an essential teaching. So here's how he approaches it. He says this, in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings or your assemblies do more harm than good. He says, in the first place, when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And he says, and I believe it. So he goes on from there, and he just tells them, you're not being faithful to the teachings that we gave to you. And he spends 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, and 1 Corinthians 14, talking about what they're supposed to do when they come together as a church. So that would be one of the areas where the teachings are important, and it's important to follow them. Make, make sense so far, Anthony? Certainly, certainly. You know, you were, you were talking about uh, those things that are important, and it just reminds me of the day of Pentecost, you know, was that great day, that great acceptance of uh, the beginning of this movement, this beginning of this journey. Um, but then the text says that they continued in the disciples' uh, doctrine or the apostles' doctrine. So there's something that, that goes beyond that day. And, and these are the teachings that Paul is referring to. Hey, guys, we taught you this and you're not following up. Like you're not doing the things that we told you commanded you to continue in. So in the same way for us uh, and for the seeker and the listener now to say, hey, I, I obeyed the gospel. I got it. Okay, now leave me alone. I'm good. Uh, the scripture says, no, there's more that we must continue in. Uh, and so yes. I'm thankful that, that Paul, when he writes back to say, hey, listen, guys, this isn't what, you know, this isn't working the way that you're supposed to obey. We got to go back over the teaching so that we can get this stuff right. Oh, that's good, Anthony. Hey, I want to pick up on that uh, passage that you mentioned mm -hmm. from the book of Acts 
chapter 2, verse 42. Mm -hmm. It says, after they were baptized, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Mm -hmm. So let's just take that as four important teachings. Once we have embraced the gospel, once we've embraced and, and pledged our faithfulness to King Jesus, we have to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. So one of the important teachings is that Scripture is the, the apostles' teaching. By the way, when I say that, it's not just the fact that it is. That's universally accepted. The New Testament is the apostles' teaching. But we have to devote ourselves to it. Mm. So one of the most important teachings for our faithfulness is we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. Secondly, we devote ourselves to the fellowship of other Christians and the assembly and the gathering with a church. One of the things a lot of people are doing today is they say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not, I'm not big on church. Well, it's a matter of faithfulness. Scripture teaches us that church is not an option, that we, we can't forsake the assembly. We've got to be a part of a church. So we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Now, that, that uh, expression is a little bit disputed. Some say it's taking communion or the Lord's Supper. Some say it was a meal. Uh, the early Christians actually took the Lord's Supper as a meal. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's one and the same. And then the last one is to prayer. So there's four areas right away where faithfulness is going to be important. Um, then we can talk about, hey, if I'm supposed to be a part of a local church, what is that local church supposed to do? And we can also talk about, as a follower of Jesus, following scripture, uh, somebody who's going to pray, what are the things I'm supposed to do? Like, how am I supposed to treat my wife? If I'm a parent, how do I treat my children? Uh, at work, how do I treat my employer? And see, all of these things are outlined for us as in scripture, and to the best of our ability, we want to follow them. Now, if I can, I'm actually going to pause, Anthony, in case you wanted to add anything before I show my diagrams or talk about my diagrams for those who are listening. No, I want to go to the diagrams because uh, I want to deal with one of those teachings, uh, important teachings at the end. So, yes, go ahead and into the diagram. Okay. Uh, the first diagram is what's called a bonded set. And uh, by the way, missionaries have come up with this terminology. There's a guy named uh, Paul Hebert, who uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing in some of his stuff uh, to help us understand what the Bible's saying. So what you have uh, are some Christians who believe that once you place your faith in Jesus and the gospel, that you got to get these things right. Like, not only do you need to regularly go to church, but you got to go to the right church. And when you're at the right church, you got to do the right things. You got to do worship just right. And you got to have church structure just right. And, and you got to do all these things just right. And that if you don't do them, you're out. You're not in. The only people who are really in with Jesus are those who are correctly following Jesus. Now, that's uh, it's called a bonded set. A lot of people refer to it as a legalistic church mm. or as a rigid church or as an oppressive church. And, and there's truth in all of that. This is not what Scripture teaches us, but it's like innocent, honest people who aren't widely exposed to Scripture might see it that way. In their attempt to be faithful, they say, hey, this is what it says 
about what we do as a church, and then they move to, you got to do it just like we do, or you're not really saved. And that's not, that's not accurate. So the bonded set is not accurate. Now, Anthony, most people are not going to be subject to thinking, I got to get it all right to be saved. They're more likely to go to what's called a fuzzy set. You say, fuzzy set? Mm. What's a fuzzy set? A fuzzy set is where, hey, I got Jesus and, uh, you know, uh, I have, like, I believe in Jesus, but everything else is kind of like I can take it or leave it. Or the only essential thing is I sort of have faith in Jesus. Now, uh, a lot of people think that, like, the vast majority of people in, uh, in North America will claim to be, you know, Christians because at some point they, they might have said yes to Jesus or they might have had intellectual assent. Uh, and so they think they're okay. Uh, now, it's also a danger for other people who uh, were taught better, but then they kind of, they get discouraged with church. They see, you know, they didn't like the church they were at or they didn't like a preacher or they had a bad experience. And they go to this place of saying, uh, just Jesus, that's all that matters regardless of what church it is. And so faithfulness to the teaching of scripture and how to be a church and how to be a true disciple, they're not really engaged in that. And it's fuzzy said, it's vague Jesus. Now, uh, let me mention a statement that is actually sounds right. And at the time it probably was helpful, but now it's not helpful. Mm. Here's the statement. Uh, in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, and in all things love. Now that sounds right, and at a certain level it is, but the problem with it is it says, if something's not essential, then it doesn't matter. Like they don't have this middle category of faithfulness to the important teachings of Jesus. So I've heard people say, whether it's Catholic, Mormon, whatever, it's all the same Jesus, and it doesn't matter. Well, that's not true. That's fuzzy set Jesus. That's not compatible with what scripture says. What scripture actually teaches is some, sometimes called a centered set. And really what it means is we just have a faith and a faithfulness in Jesus. We're fixated on Jesus. We may not understand everything, but when we do understand it, we're going to do our best to be faithful to it. So we have this diagram. And the diagram has a cross in the center, and then it has uh, a dotted line around the people who have pledged their faith to King Jesus and his gospel. They're saved. They have the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then uh, there are people outside. Now, uh, you can imagine somebody, and we'll just call him person A. He goes to church. He, he's a, a, a part of all the things that the church does. If you ask him, he'll say he's a Christian, but he actually doesn't have a devotion to Jesus. Years ago, I had this, there was this man in the church where I was in uh, Calgary, Canada, and he had a big affair and, and it blew up, the marriage blew up, and his son said something to me. He said, you know, daddy's really religious, but I don't know that he really knows Jesus. Mm. So the thing isn't that you go to church and you do all these things, it's your personal devotion to Jesus. Now, likewise, 
uh, people who don't care about Jesus and don't care about church, they're, they're, they, they're not part of this centered set. They're not part of this devotion to, to King Jesus. But, you know, you can have somebody represented by, by person C, and uh, they committed their lives to Jesus. It was genuine, but they're just trying to figure it all out. Like, we have a lady in my church, and uh, she was living a really bad life. She was living, uh, multiple men have been with her, multiple uh, children by multiple fathers. And uh, recently, she just started following Jesus. Now, there's so much she has to learn. She doesn't know about the Bible. She, she's going to need to learn how to pray. She's going to need to learn what Scripture teaches uh, about how to develop a, a life where you regularly go to church, how you, uh, you know, learn all the things of the Christian faith. But she's saved because she's focused on Jesus. Jesus makes us saved. It's our relationship with Jesus, not the relationship with the church. Mm. And so she is saved. Now, we want to have the right relationship with God. We want to be faithful to the teachings of Scripture. We want to uh, be in a church that's going to, you know, appoint elders the way the Bible teaches, and it's going to uphold Scripture and communion and church discipline and all of these things. We want to be people who experience communion, who have fellowship with other Christians. We share our lives with them. They share their lives with us. This is all part of being faithful to the important teachings, but getting all of these right does not establish our relationship with God, yet being faithful to them will help us maintain a faithful relationship with God. I'm not sure um, if you if if the way that your your diagram uh, deals with it, if there's a, a spot in there for this person. Um, what about the person that says, uh, just give me Jesus. I don't want his church. Just just give me just give me Jesus. Well, the problem with that is that Jesus, uh, his uh, last words to the disciples in Galilee, were go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I commanded. He's saying that to the apostles. And the apostles command us uh, to be a part of a local church. There, Anthony, in, in Scripture, uh, the last time I counted, there's like 800 passages that talk about the local church. And if you're not part of a local church, you can't follow those passages and you're not being faithful to the teachings of King Jesus. So, okay. All right. Well, let me go across the street to the other person who is in love with church um, but may not be so dedicated to Jesus. They're, as you pointed out, very religious at every event, uh, serving uh, and, and, and working and encouraging others, come to my church. I love my church. Yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes um, people are devoted to the institution, but not the one who made the institution and you make the institution an idol. The only person who deserves our devotion, our love, and our commitment is Jesus. Now, if you love Jesus, you're going to love the church. He said you can't love God uh, whom you can't see if you don't love his people whom you can see. 
-hmm. and uh, we've we've got to be devoted to our brothers and sisters who are following Jesus in the local church. But the devotion is to Jesus. And by the way, that's why when the church lets us down, we weren't going to church for the what the people were going to do for us. We were going to church because we want to be faithful to the Lord who made the church and who made it for us to be a part of. So our devotion is not to how people treat us, because if you're in church for very long, you're going to find faults with it. But that doesn't mean that Jesus is wrong or Jesus' idea is wrong. He wants us to be faithful. Just like my wife. My wife is not perfect. Now, when I first married her, I kind of thought she was. But then I found out she's not. And, uh, you know, being involved with the church is being involved with people who aren't perfect. And uh, that's just part of our faithfulness. It's such a crucial part of our faithfulness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I said, all those passages, Mm -hmm. and these are not obscure passages, like entire books in the New Testament were written to the church to tell us, tell the people how to be the church and how to be faithful to Jesus as the church. So then we're, then we're back to, uh, and, and I like how you brought this segue to it. We're back to the other person who says, just give me Jesus. I've been hurt by imperfection in the world. I've, I've, I know the streets. I know the way the world works. I see how greed uh, takes over people's heart and mind and, and, and their focus. I see how uh, uh, just lust and all of this. I see that in the world and I'm tired of the people just give me Jesus. I, I heard somebody say that the church is made up of people. And if it's made up of people, then, then I, that's, I, I'm, I'm tired of people. Just give me Jesus. Yeah. Boy, you know, Anthony, there are days, if I'm just being really transparent, where I feel the same way about myself. Hmm. Uh, I want to be this certain kind of person and I, I don't meet those expectations. I say what I shouldn't say. Maybe I have a lustful look or, you know, greed gets in or I lose my temper. And there are days where I'm disappointed in myself, but I still choose to love myself because God loves me and, and believe in myself, even though I got to work on things. And I really think that's the way the church is. The church is made up of people just like me, and they are going to let me down. But in scripture, God's really clear about this. And I I just want to emphasize this because it's so important. Mm -hmm. First Corinthians 13 talks about how important people are that we stick with each other in the church. And it's this uh, chapter and it starts off by saying, hey, if I could speak in the tongue, even of angels, if I could, you know, in angelic language, I had this miraculous ability to speak in or if I if I know everything. Like if I'm the best Bible scholar on planet Earth and I know everything, I can fathom all mysteries. Or if I surrender my body to the poor in social justice and 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 help the, the poor and the needy. And, and if I do all of these things, but I don't love people in the church. And 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about loving people in the local church. Mm-hmm. If I don't love, I'm nothing. Then he says, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, keeps no record of wrongs. He goes on and describes it. And then he finishes that section by saying this, three things remain. These are three great things in the Christian faith. 
faith, your faith, hope, and love. And then he says this, but the greatest of these is love. And he defines love as sacrificial actions on behalf of other people in the name of Jesus. So I am committed to the church, not because the church is great, but I'm committed to the church because the Lord of the church is great. And he tells me to love and serve and do life with these people. Mm, mm. I got two questions, Bobby, and, and, and we may uh, wrap it after these two, uh, just some thoughts. Um, one of them is, as we look at a lot of these important uh, teachings, uh, you mentioned what we commonly call the Great Commission of Jesus um, to make disciples. Now, again, you have the person listening who is, is really concerned about their family, their, their, their marriage, uh, their faith. They're really concerned about growing and understanding God a little bit more, uh, but they may not be as committed to making another disciple. Um, so let, let's, let me make this person even more uh, complex for you, Bobby. You know, they, they go to work, uh, they earn a good living. Uh, they have a kind of platonic relationship with their coworkers. I, I'm friends with you at work, but once I leave work, I shut it off. I come back home and retreat to family. I go to uh, worship, uh, go to Bible class. I enjoy being with my church family and seeing those. And I, I cheer on the good work that God is doing. I serve and then I come home, um, I take care of my family, I love my family, I love my wife, I'm, I'm all of that. Um, don't really have too many uh, friends from my past because thank God he delivered me from my past. So I don't worry about those folk. I'm just focused on, hey, my family and going to church and going to work and doing a good, making a good living. Um, how important is it for me to make a disciple? I'm a good person. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, by being a part of a church, uh, the person that you described, he's trying to be a disciple. We have found that it's not very helpful to use the word Christian anymore because Christian means anything, everything, and nothing almost. <laughs> and so uh, I prefer the language of being a disciple of Jesus. It's actually the word Christian is only used three times in the Bible, but the word disciple is about 270 times. So I feel good about that. Uh, I was just reading today in the book of Acts chapter 9, uh, Paul was, it says, Paul was going to get with some disciples, but they weren't sure he was a disciple. This is just after he was <laughs> converted. So uh, if we see ourselves as disciples, then we see ourselves that church is necessary. Church is plan, God's plan A for discipling. And so by being a part of a church, we're hopefully in discipling relationships I think the more personal they are, the more effective they're going to be. Anthony, it really boils down to uh, whether or not we really believe the gospel and love other people. Here's what I mean. If I believe the gospel and I do, then uh, I want the people I love to know and have an opportunity to respond to the gospel. I want everybody to know the gospel and respond to King Jesus to find salvation. Like I, I just want that so badly because I know what it means for me to be saved, and I know what it means if they're not saved. 
And so I can't just be passive about reaching my friends, relatives, and neighbors and wanting to disciple them through love and through relationship, through invitations to Bible studies, uh, through invitations to be maybe in a men's group that I'm leading or uh, to be in a group with somebody else. That they're, like, I just want that for them because I love them and I want them to have the gospel. And I know that the best way to get the gospel is somebody who's going to be in a discipling relationship where they love them. Now, that's for the person who doesn't know Jesus, but also because I love people, I want people who know Jesus to grow up in Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. Anthony, like, this is true of me and you. Like, I feel like we're discipling each other, but I want to help you to be all the man God wants you to be because I really love you mm -hmm. and I believe in you. And I'm, you know, more than 20 years older than you, mm -hmm. but I love you and I want you to be a disciple of Jesus who's a big influencer of many people in many churches, at least as much as God calls you and you desire to do. I want you to be everything you can be in Christ. I want the same for my wife. I want my wife to, to become the most devout disciple she can be because that's God's best for her. And so I can just tell you, like I, I have a group in my church with Ryan. Ryan is the apprentice in my uh, small group for discipling. I just want Ryan to be everything God wants him to be. And so I'm trying to disciple him. And that's why I really believe that Jesus discipled people because he loved them. Jesus discipled his disciples because he really wanted them to be uh, what his father in heaven wanted them to be. So from discipling people to salvation, to discipling people to become more and more like Jesus, I really believe it's a reflection that we love people and we want to be faithful to the teachings of Jesus. You know, Anthony, I believe that this is one area that's so important. A lot of churches preach the gospel, but they don't make disciples the way the Bible teaches. And for me personally, I've got to be in a church where we're being disciples and we're making disciples. And I'll just use those four things. We want to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to our fellowship with each other, to uh, breaking of bread and to prayer because that's going to help us with all these other areas of faithfulness. If we're disciples, loving each other enough to help each other be disciples. Wow, that was, uh, that was, that was really nice, Bobby. Um, when I was in college, for me, it was, it was one of the more difficult times uh, in my life. And uh, I remember um, a book that had come out around that time uh, that, that dealt with the prayer of Jabez. And uh, mm. one of the teachings uh, or, or suggested suggestions in the workbook that came with this book was uh, to pray that prayer every day for 30 days. And again, here's somebody that has grown up in church life, uh, understanding quite a bit about spiritual disciplines. I get it. But I can say that that was a very transformative month in my life with a mm. special emphasis in prayer. And from that point, uh, you know, life has changed dramatically. My prayer life has changed dramatically. And uh, even with our congregation, 
um, for the last 15 years, we've had uh, our family day, great day of worship. But uh, leading up to our family day, we spend 40 days uh, fasting and praying. And, and we're fasting and praying for a myriad of things, several people that we know, those in particular who we know don't have a relationship with God, those who are struggling with issues, addictions, etc. We spend 40 days fasting and praying. And, and you know, Jesus teaches that uh, in the one instance that he comes across, the, the disciples are wondering, well, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus's response is this kind of only goes out by prayer and fasting. So there are some things that only come about through prayer and fasting. And, and it, it's, 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 it's a, a major shift in our congregation. It's a major shift in the personal life. But again, I, I've got that uh, hypothetical listener uh, who, again, they love Jesus. They love people. Uh, they're doing all they can. Uh, but, but, Talking to, you know, the sky, <laughs> talking to the, the invisible God that I can't see just doesn't align with my logic. You know, maybe I need to physically do something about this scenario. How important is the practice uh, of prayer in the disciples life? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, some of these things it's so easy to take for granted mm. like you're pointing out like if you had to list the important things mm -hmm. uh one of the things the new testament makes pretty clear is that it's important to be led by the spirit in step with the spirit filled with the spirit and we we're not used to that language like we don't tend to talk about spirits like <laughs> they did in the first century or in the early church, but the language of the spirit is like a personal spiritual presence of God in our lives. And boy, you, you have to put that at the top of the list, right? It's our relationship with God mm -hmm. through his spirit. And the primary way we do that is through prayer. Like it's the word and prayer. And like right now, my church, we're going through a fast too. In fact, truth of the matter is today's been a tough day for me because I'm, I'm on this fast. I'm trying to, you know, I made a commitment and I'm sticking with it. Uh, but it's a thing I'm sticking with because it's drawing me closer to God. Like I'm, I'm having to die to some, some stuff in my own life. So, oh my goodness, Anthony, uh, the, just walking with God and walking, like for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, that's my daily prayer. Lord, help me to live my life as Jesus would. And so I, I have to spend time in prayer. I have to hear from God about the practicalities of how I do that. So I, I read scripture. I ask God to guide me as I'm reading scripture. I reflect on it. I talk to God about it. And uh, that's the, it's the heartbeat of my life. Mm, wow. See that, that, that's how I feel. And, and, I, and I want to, you know, convey that to the person who may be listening and are really struggling in their prayer life. You got two individuals here who, you know, lead churches who, you know, speak you know, all over the country uh, about various things. But one of the, the, the commonalities in, in everything that we 
preach and teach about is this importance of prayer. There's nothing that the disciple of Christ does without the discipline of prayer. Um, any area that you decide to go into, you decide to go into mission work, you have to have a, a, an active prayer life. You want to teach the scriptures. You have to have an active prayer life. Um, any area of your life, marriage, uh, parenting, all of these areas, you need a constant line of communication with God, the creator of the universe, the Lord and master and king of our lives. We have an open line and, and, and maybe perhaps it's our struggles with communication in general that makes prayer an issue. I know sometimes for us, you know, we don't have a tendency to call certain people unless there's a problem. You know, now there's a problem. Yeah. I now call this person. And sometimes we put God in that basket that, hey, if life is going well, everybody's healthy, we're doing well, things are looking good. You know, but but when I get in an emergency, I call him. But when we look at Christ, we find Christ praying not just in emergency scenarios, but as a daily practice. Hey, guys, you know, I believe it's Mark chapter four, Mark chapter five, where Jesus says, hey, you guys go on over. I'm going to go up to pray. I mean, it's not an emergency situation, so to speak, but it's I just need to go pray. And so if we practice this uh, daily prayer, this daily conversation, uh, it's a mark of the life of the disciple. I'll share this uh, and then I'll let you uh, close us out. One of the more powerful instances of prayer that I see in scripture, there are so many, uh, but in Acts chapter 12, Peter is in uh, what I'd like to call a maximum security prison. He's in a cell. He's chained to a guard. There's guard uh, in his cell and outside of his cell. And he, he's locked up in a bad way. And the, the text says in Acts chapter 12, verse five, but the church prayed for him. The next scene that we have in that in that text is an angel sitting at the foot of the bed and, and telling Peter, hey, let's put your shoes on. We got to get out of here. Peter walks cleanly out of a maximum security prison as a result of the prayers of the church. And so when we look at what prayer does, we often say kind of cliche Prayer changes things. I mean, this is what the scriptures teach. So, so you would conclude, I'm certain, that prayer is an important uh, part of the disciples' life. Yeah, <clears throat> thank you so much for bringing it up. You know, it's that fourth element mm -hmm. in the Acts chapter two, verse forty-two. You know, I just feel like I can't describe it enough how it's our personal relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. Like I can't function very well as a man of God, as somebody focusing on Jesus without time and prayer, without, you know, working things out with God before my day, uh, sometimes in the middle of the day or at the end of the day. Uh, there's a guy that I know that I respect a lot. He says, what a man is on his knees before God, that's what he is, no more, no less. And I like that in the sense that what we are on our knees, depending on God to lead and guide us and strengthen us and give us direction, 
by his spirit. That's who we become. That's who we are. Mm. Wow. So uh, prayer is, uh, it's important. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> Bobby, I have enjoyed this, uh, this time with you. I've enjoyed discussing the uh, important elements of the uh, disciples' life. Uh, we've gone from essentials to important and looking forward to the next time uh, that we will discuss the um, personal elements. Yeah. Anthony, I love being with you, and I look forward to that as well. All righty. Enjoying it, my friend. Uh, Lord willing, we will see you all on the next time. Be sure uh, as always, to check us out at renew.org. Uh, click on media and you will find uh, our landing page. If we have any diagrams or pictures or slides that we refer to, um, you can look there as well. If you watch us on YouTube, you'll see those things. You're listening to us. We're just thankful that you're tuning in uh, and share this with others because we want to encourage others to know uh, that there's quite a bit in the scriptures that's black and white, and we want to encourage you uh, in your growth and study of the word. Amen. All right. We'll see you all next time. God bless.